Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. It's February 23rd and we're just days away from the start of the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, which will feature 12 Sunbelt student athletes this year. Caden, that's a huge number of players and really is a testament to the quality that we saw in the league this past season. It definitely is. And I think if you look at every year in the Sun Belt, you're seeing that number of players participating in the combine go up and up and up every year. And this is just a, a great thing to see so many people. And I think you could even say in years past, there's maybe some guys that could have deserved an invite to the combine that might not have gotten it in the past. And I think it's more clear that now the Sun Belt's kind of garnered respect. We see some players have success in the NFL and use this combine kind of as a launching pad for their NFL's careers. And I think it's clear that the NFL has kind of been put on notice for the Sun Belt. And that's shown with how many participants there are this year from the conference yeah that's exciting and I think uh, we will get into breaking down who will participate later in this episode but you're also going to see a lot more skill guys you know participating in the combine and that's exciting to see in the Sun Belt. we haven't seen as many of those wide receivers or running backs participate in the combine in years past Caden yeah and I think the athleticism of the conference overall is just going up and I think that's why we're seeing it as well and I think they're kind of taking notice to the fact that some of these athletes maybe not be might not be a guy who's getting drafted, might be a late round guy, a free agent pickup. But I've also seen guys in the Sun Belt show value in special teams and different things of that nature. This is a system where every team votes if they want to have a guy at the combine or not. And then if you get to that certain number, you're invited. And I think in past years at App State, I know guys got two or three votes away and didn't act, didn't get that quite get that combine invite. But now I think we're seeing more value putting put on the athleticism that the Sun Belt has to offer. Well, last year we saw six Sunbelt players uh, receive invites to the NFL Draft Combine, including Louisiana's offensive lineman Max Mitchell, their defensive back Percy Butler. Each of those players would go on to be drafted. Coastal Carolina got Jeffrey Gunter and Isaiah Likely into the game. South Alabama had Jalen Tolbert. And in addition, App State linebacker DeMarco Jackson participated in the Combine on his way to becoming the fifth-round selection of the New Orleans Saints in the NFL Draft. On today's episode, Caden, we're excited to welcome your former teammate to talk a little bit about his experience at the NFL Combine. It was great having a conversation with DeMarco and just thinking about when he first showed up at App State as a young buck and seeing him grow into the player he became. I think when you look at some of our prospects we had at App State, when they first get to campus, you kind of can count them out. You look at them and say, okay, we'll see what this guy amounts to. And I think year after year after year, DeMarco just slowly but surely became that guy where it's like, oh, okay, this is an NFL type of linebacker. And we definitely saw that in his senior season. We definitely saw that in the combine and didn't get to see it last year with the Saints because he was injured, but very excited to see it coming forward. Well, here's a little bit more about DeMarco. After a standout high school career, he landed at App State where he would become a key contributor on a defense and special teams in his early years. In 2020, though, he broke out landing his first All-Sun Belt honor after recording 91 tackles to go along with six TFLs and two sacks. Uh, He also showed off his ability in coverage that season, Caden, finishing with two interceptions and eight pass breakups. But 2021 really was the breakout year that DeMarco took it to another level. He finished with a team-leading 120 tackles and 19 TFLs uh, to go along with six sacks, all while leading to his team to a Sunbelt Championship game that year against Louisiana. His exploits on the field netted him Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year honors and numerous All-American honors by different publications. DeMarco would go on to conclude his career with a 43-10 and 10 record, Caden, something you were also a part of during those years that saw the Mountaineers uh, win two Sunbelt championships as well as a Sunbelt East Division title in 2021. He was also a member of three bowl victories, and in his career, 
He played in 53 games, nearly 300 tackles, 34 TFLs, and 11 and a half sacks. Caden, he was one of the most feared men in the Sun Belt during his career. This was a great interview. Give our listeners a taste of what they'll hear from DeMarco. Yeah, in 2020, the other Sunbelt player, defensive player of the year we had on our team was Akeem Davis-Gaither, who's a guy on the Bengals. And I never thought I would see and share the field with someone that would play at that level. But you talked about that 2021 season for DeMarco. He showed out that year. It was crazy just being behind him as a safety, watching him go sideline to sideline and become the most feared man on the defensive side of the ball in the Sunbelt. We talked a lot about his journey to the NFL. He pulled back the curtain a ton about the NFL combine, and he had just an overall great conversation with us. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with the one and only DeMarco Jackson. DeMarco, I'll admit I'm glad you're on that side of the screen, but we're really excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, man, I'm glad to be here, man. Well, let's jump right in. You're a Spartanburg kid. You grew up in South Carolina. Uh, Coming out of high school, what was your familiarity with the App State program and what ultimately led to you deciding to to attend App State in college? Really, it was just like a long script. Um, I really didn't know much about App State. I was from Spartanburg, South Carolina, so I knew a lot about schools like Furman, uh, South Carolina, Clemson, Citadel. I was really hoping to plan to try to stay in South Carolina, but pretty much after an injury took place and some schools um, changed paths about me, I just App State pretty much stuck it stuck with me, and I um I ended up just going there to play linebacker, but I mainly played running back at the time, so it was like a transition. Um, but it was good. I remember you having an interception one year and running it back and showing some of that running back skill set. So I can definitely speak to you with your hands on the ball. But you had a good career at App State, Demarco. But in 2021, I feel like you took it to a completely different level. It was really a pleasure to share the field with you because you were just all over the place, and it was just great to watch you play as a linebacker in front of me. You earned some about Defensive Player of the Year that year. You were All Conference honors. I feel like that year really springboarded you into becoming an NFL prospect. For you, what do you think led to that big leap you took in 2021? Really, man, just my like my maturity I took to the game um I just really just sat down like I had I had talked to some trainers like you know like house of athletes at the time and I was just talking with them and like they really like it was one guy named yo Murphy and he really just like sat down he just I don't know like I feel like really personally man I just matured in my head like I seen the game so much I studied the plays so much I put the time in I feel like it was in the springtime like I was constantly in there on Saturdays and Sundays, like just doing little small stuff, like small steps that when it comes time, like that's my foundation. Like I I would never get away from that. But really, man, I just felt like when I took the field, I feel like it snapped one day in August camp. Like I just felt like, man, this game is just slow. Like I feel it. Like I feel I can beat the running back there before he gets there. I just knew the way our defensive line was slanting, I knew that gap would get cut off as soon as I seen that offensive guard and he's going to slant and cut my gap off so I can play off of him. It's really just my understanding for the game. And I felt like once I knew the system so well to where I knew where people eventually ended up, I can just, it just it helped me play faster. It helped me set up people, helped me set up my moves and things like that. So, but really, man, I just, I just felt like I was far ahead, like mentally going into each game like I just like playing like Georgia State like I just knew what was coming like they their offense is pretty similar to ours so I just knew what was coming um but yeah really just my I just felt like the game slowed down for me in my head like 
I just felt mature, like ahead of it. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just was like a click for me. Yeah, I love that perspective because obviously we hear, you know, as you, you know, spend more years in college football or other sports, how the game slows down to you. So it's neat to kind of hear that firsthand, you know, uh, report of that. Um, DeMarco, after that 2021 season, you were invited to participate in the Senior Bowl. Uh, You had a great week and ended up uh, with a big performance in the game. Uh, What was your experience like in Mobile and how did that ultimately, you think, uh, affect your draft stock? I feel like Mobile really helped me out. I feel like coming in from App State, you know, we don't get the same recognition as a lot of these SEC and ACC schools. And really, a lot of the coaches, they really want to see me on special teams. Um, They want to see what I can offer. But that was another thing that helped me out at App playing a lot of special teams. So they knew I had the special teams that helped me help my draft stock up. But also, a lot of coaches just doubted me, um, like – my knowledge for the game, and I would say my coverage abilities. And getting down to the Senior Bowl, I really had some great snaps of one-on-one coverage with tight ends. I had some great snaps coming off the edge rushing um, with tight ends and running backs. I had also really – I just – man, I just played ball. Like, a lot of times when you get down in Mobile, it's so much. These coaches, these NFL coaches, they're just throwing stuff. They're throwing stuff. But, man, like, they're not expecting you to know it. They're really just expecting you to get out there and play, use your hands, use your techniques. They're trying to see what all you bring to the table. And when it comes to the interviews at the Senior Bowl, like, it's not necessarily, like, the coaches, it's it's really a tricky process. Like, they're going to pull up the – when I came, coaches pulled up some great film, but then they pulled up some, some not-so-good film on me. And really, man, it's just questioning you, see how you answer. Do you take responsibility? Like, do you just see that's a bad play? Like, on your part, I'm like, yeah, it's just a bad play. You know, everything is going to be 100% perfect. But it's really just how you take ownership. They want to see how you answer questions for media. Like, how are you going to answer questions for him? Like, and really just, like, a lot of times for me at the Senior Bowl, they had me, do. they had me, like, say everybody's position, like, what this guy do right here? What's this guy doing right here? What's this guy doing right here? And it was just like, I just knew it. Like it was bang, 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 bang for me. So like that really helped me out um, talking well, interviewing. And really, man, when you get to um, that senior bowl, it's not really, I feel like a lot of times it's really set up. It's a, it's a work week. It's a business week. And you really don't get much sleep. It's like you're interviewing 15 minutes with each team till about, 11 or 12 in the, at night and then you're back up in the morning for like a meeting at seven or like six thirty to eat breakfast and you're going back to interviews or going to learn the um, new film and but it was just like a steady process of that and it was just really draining you were also invited to the nfl combine that year to marco and you participated in it, obviously. I've been told that it's a very long experience as well, like the Senior Bowl. Could you shed some light on maybe some of those combine experiences that we might not get to know about? Yeah, so, like, the one thing about the NFL combine I wasn't know, like, I had previous surgeries back in um, high school and college, my freshman year and my son, senior year at college with ACL I, at tour. Um, and when I got down there to the – I didn't know I had to get MRIs on everything. And, like, I'll say, like, that's probably the slowest part of the day for the NFL. Uh, I mean, like at the combine, because you got to like my like the linebacker group was like forty five, like forty five guys, and we all do everything together. So you got forty five guys 
who are waiting to get some type of interview, like, I mean, like some type of MRI. And it takes like 45 minute MRI and they probably got three machines in the whole hospital. So you got 45 guys and like you got to get an MRI on each one. So like I pretty much I went to the hospital around 11 o'clock and I didn't get out of the hospital till about I want to say around like six or seven at night. Um, but pretty much your first two days are filled up with hospital visits, hospitals and doc visits. It's like, man, it's, it's a crazy process and I don't want to say too much, but um it's, it was like surreal to me, like, no, Joe, you just, when you walk into a room, like after your um, MRIs, you walk into a room and it's probably about six or seven different rooms. And you just see like 45, like 50 people in each room sitting in a table of a you. And you just walk in a room and it's like a table in our training room. And they just say like, hey, like when you go in there, don't say anything, just sit down. Um, I'm going to do all the talking pretty much. Um, if but eventually, like at the end, if they want to look at you, they're going to get up and they're going to test out some of your surgeries, like just to get a feel, see what they feel like. So, like, man, you're just going to a room and I'll sit there. You just see like everybody, like computers, docs, you just seem like they're talking, reading off the script, like what all I had done. And then, like, at the end, like you'll see some trainers get up and come touch on you and just like feel really just feel your surgical points to see like how stable it is. Um, see how, like, if it was a fresher, like it was a fresh one or, um, like a while back, but, um, that was, that was a, that was a long process, like just draining, but you really don't get much sleep there either though. Um, cause then you got to head straight into like interviews and an interview is just like, it's like a gauntlet. That's what they call it, man. Like you go into a room, you just go into it and it's like, you just see like, all like defense, like linebackers, some D linemen. And like, you just go into a room and it's probably, you just see paper, man. You just see people running around, grabbing people, grabbing people, grabbing people, grabbing people. And you just, it's, it's like a steady rotation. Like for me, like after you're finished your interview, you can go right back to the middle, but like, and just like sit down drink something and just hang out. But man, like, Every single time, like, I, I never got a chance to sit down. Like, they were always saying, like, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here. Like, you got to talk with this, you got to talk with that. Man, eventually, like, I really ran to the bathroom. I was like, man, I need a break. <laughs> just to get a break, get away from them. Because, like, it was just steady going. But, yeah. But after that, I would say what I was looking forward to the most, like, on that last day is finally doing football, like, awareness stuff. Um, But, yeah, like, at, but after the interviews – we would like, my trainer would hit me up, say like, hey man, you haven't trained in like a day. Like, hey, we need to get up and running. So like, I remember being like in a hotel at like 1 a.m. going to run. Then I got a drug test the next morning, like 5.30. And it's just like, that's the process and people don't really see it, but I'm telling you like, you don't get much sleep when you're there. Like, it's a steady, like you're steady doing something. It's, it's a really busy week. But I, it was it was it was like a surreal moment when I got to like the field, like the field work in like the 40s um, and all the agility stuff. Like I'll say if you watch my first um, 40, like I look up and I'm just like at first I was like star. I was just like, you know, I was just like, man, like I'm really here. Like it was just really hitting me, like walking around, seeing it and like, man, I'm really here. Like I seen this all my life on TV. When I got down in that first 40 stance, like if you look on the TV version at the first one. Like, I look up, and, like, I just see the coaches, like, lined up. I just see everybody looking, bro. Like, 
you just because then you got your GMs and all your linebacker coaches in the stands, like right there, like looking with Tommy. I look up, bro, and like in my stand, I look up and I just start laughing, like, oh shit, like, oh snap, like <laughs> it's real. Then I put my head down and I just got out. I like all my training went out to do. I just like, I'm about to run. But then like um I finished that first one. I felt good about it. And you don't know your time. Like on the screens, it's no it's nowhere. They don't they don't tell you your time. Just a guy in the middle who's on like he had like Twitter or something, he would look like they immediately tweeted out. He was like, hey, four six. I was like, man. So I went back to um, got my phone, me and my trainer. He was like, hey, like, slow down. Think, like, think about your explosion, your first three steps, link, all this other stuff. And, I mean, I just, I knocked down that four or five, and I felt really good about it. But the drill work was pretty good. Like, it was a steady, it was steady moving. It was, like, the drill work was controlled. You knew what you were getting things like that. But I feel like the drill work was really where I earned my money too, though. I felt like I had a good um, showing when working, like moving around and stuff like that they wanted to see. Yeah, I really appreciate that perspective because again, I think most fans, you know, you watch it on TV and you don't realize uh, how much of a gauntlet uh, that week really is. Uh, You mentioned the interviews and we've been told that the interviews with teams are really important kind of in that draft process in a way to maybe separate yourself from other draft prospects. How many teams did you meet with throughout the process? And in particular, how did you feel after talking with the Saints personnel? So when you say interviews, are you talking about at the combine or like after the combine before pro day, where it's just like, it's like Zoom calls? Yeah, let's go with both. Okay. So like at the um, the combine, it's weird. Like I heard like a lot of heat, like I met with like, it's like, it's a game, man. It's a game because a lot of people don't want to show their hand. A lot of people who don't really aren't really interested want to say like oh this is my guy like they they don't want they don't want you to know who their real guy is so it's like it's real interesting seeing like how they play their hands like so you really never know um but really man like I said like I never sat down I probably interviewed with every single team um I met with a linebacker coach from many like pretty much every team but then I met with special team coordinators from other teams wanting to see like my what I think about special teams just really getting a feel for me seeing because a lot of teams see me as a special team role coming out of my first year uh, mainly. But really after, but so I probably interview with every team there, but after the um, combine, I want to say like Denver Broncos, they wanted to bring me out and I went there, had an interview and it was, it was, like, pretty good. Like, met with the GM, met with the linebacker coach. Like, felt good. They told me, like, where they see me in the draft, where they see this. And, I mean, it's, like, it's a crazy process, man. Like, pretty much coaches, they pull you in their office and they just tell you, like, they like I said, they pull up the good film. They pull up oh, they pull up the good film, but they also pull up the bad film. And you just got to know how to answer. You got to know, like, the correct answer, like, not like saying like you just got to take credit for a lot of things don't like try to say like nah i ain't a bad play like just be honest with yourself like that's that's how this is but um but then like after that i would say like i interviewed with probably like 20 25 teams but the crazy thing is i never interviewed with the saints like i didn't they didn't show no interest but they like the whole time like i like my coach like i knew they were interested but they didn't. They never like. They never wanted to interview me. They never really talked to me. They never asked me any questions. But um, I interviewed with a bunch of teams, and like a bunch of teams showed like major interest. Like like the day before the um 
like the day, like I never interviewed with the Panthers. And the day before the draft, hey, DeMarco, man, like this linebacker coach, this defense coordinator, like we just want to talk with you, just get some stuff. Like they just call on my phone. So like it was like things like that, just calling the day before the draft. So like, man, you know, like I'm up, like, man, day. Just, but um, but yeah, so really, but the Saints never interviewed me, but they're, you know, they're the ones that end up drafting me. So it's a crazy process, man. But when you get on them Zoom interviews, it's it's kind of crazy. Like sometimes you get a cool coach who's like a joker, and then you got a serious coach on the other end saying like, "Hey, you mess this like this, this and this and this." And so like you get a different feel for so many different coaches' personalities and stuff like this. Some teams when you get on that film, they boost you up like they boost you up like, "Man, you the guy, you the guy." Then you get on some teams, and um, you get off of Zoom with some teams. You feel like, "Man, like." Did I deserve that? Like, it made you think, like, man, like, I'm really that good. Like, like, they really make, like, they'll put up all your bad film, make you feel like, man, you didn't really do that. You didn't do that. Like, I'm like, yeah. All right. Like, but, so, yeah, it's a crazy process. No, I was just going to say, whatever impression you made on the Saints, it was clearly a good one, whatever you did, despite not having an interview with them. They draft you in the fifth round with the 161st overall pick. What do you remember most about that moment when you hear your name called, you get the call from the Saints? I'm sure you were on family. Just what do you remember about that NFL draft day when you heard that name called? Man, like, it's really crazy. Like, the Saints called me, like, two picks ahead. And, like, it's, it, bro, it's so crazy because, like, like I had, like, the Minnesota – I don't want to say teams, but, like, one team, they called me and they was like, hey, man, like, we like you in this round. Like, if you're there, you're going to be ours. And I'm like, hey, like – but then, like, you know, like, you've seen that movie draft day. Like, every change of boards with people, it's it's a whole process, man. But really, man, when I got that call, like, it was, like, unreal. Like, I haven't ate in two days. Like, I'm on – I'm watching the draft each day. I ain't eating – and it's like coming late. Like people was telling me, yeah, you should be you should be expecting to be going in the first. I mean, not the first, but the fourth round at the latest. So next thing, I mean, I'm in the fifth round. I'm like, man, like every pick, I'm just right there at the table, like thing. But pretty much, man, when I seen the New Orleans Saints, like that that number pop across my phone, like bro, like everything, my stomach just like released. Like my stomach was in knots. Like it, the whole house was quiet. Like everybody just, I said, everybody go out, like. Everybody's going back and forth out, but I'm just right there in the chair, just like looking at every single pick. And honestly, man, like when I got that call, like it just didn't feel real. You know, like they said, like, coach, like I'm on the phone, like, hello, like, and seeing he's like, hey, Marco, he's like, you want to be a saint and all this? I'm like, yes, sir. Like, I'm saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. But I really didn't even believe it, man. Like, I didn't believe it until I seen it come across that TV. When I seen that, man, it just like every feeling just like released. Like, man, it was just so it was a high intense. It was like it was quiet in the house. And like then when I got it, like, man, everything just released. Like everything just fell out of me. Like just joy, like this whole bunch of emotions mixed up. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's a, a culmination of a lot of hard work for both you and uh, obviously your family getting you to that moment. So that's uh, that's really neat to hear. Uh, you go through the off-season program with the Saints, but then you suffered an injury near the start of training camp that ended up keeping you out for the entire season. First, we wanted to ask, how is your health at the moment? And, you know, now what were you able to learn during that kind of redshirt season that you feel like is going to help you in the future? Yeah, so, like, me and my coach, my linebacker coach, we had a good relationship. We got we had a really great relationship. Um, and we just talk a lot, man. Like, when the injury happened, Pretty much, I um, 
it was a lot of movement. It was like, it was just like a lot of movement. Like people don't understand like the process of the draft, like, and like the whole cap, like getting people um, under like the 85, the 53 like, on the cuts and you got to bring people in to have bodies and things like that. So when I, um, they, they pretty much, after I got that injury, like the Saints just told me like, Hey man, like we don't, we want you to be around. Like my linebacker coach, he came up with a game plan, like every single week, like I'm breaking down stuff. I'm studying film and he really helped me out. He helped me like grow even more in the game, but really just having those like vet guys around really like helped me out a lot. Just seeing how they talk about film, like how they see it and like hearing them really the biggest thing, hearing them saying the thing, the issues. So like the biggest, like one, one thing that I learned, the technique that might can help others is I, I do it a lot now is uh, when it comes to drawing up routes and run game, I like to put myself like in the coverage. So I draw everybody in the coverage. I draw like the, it, like I draw the coverage out and drawing where like, if it's going to be a void, like, are they training this player? Like, I want to know, like, so really like putting myself in every coverage, but man, really like taking this year is just helping me grow as more of a player. Like I said, like, you know, it clicked for me at an app when I could just tell what everybody was and I can just play. Like, I ain't thinking like, oh, let me hold this gap longer so he can get there. Like, no, like I know. So really that helped me grow in the playbook and just really just take time, like steady learning these calls to where like, I'm not thinking about the front. I'm not thinking about the coverage. I know the coverage. I know the rotation. I'm just playing ball. You know, like my, 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 my thought ain't never leaving from ball. It's going straight to like my thought ain't never thinking about the coverage. It's really thinking about that person, thinking about his moves, reading his steps and things like that. That's good stuff. I feel like that's definitely going to help you mentally when you do touch the field, not having like that, that almost that rookie IQ. It sounds like you're going to have more of a veteran IQ. But last question for you, DeMarco, this year you get to watch Sunbelt alumni Demario Davis put up another seemingly Pro Bowl worthy season for the Saints. He plays the same position as you. You talked about some of those veterans helping you out. What's he been like as a teammate and what have you been able to learn from him so far in your early NFL career? So Demario, man, he's a great guy, man. He's a great guy, man. He brings a lot of energy, um, enthusiasm, passion to the game. Like if you meet him, like he's a really humble guy. Um, when, when you're in the room with him, man, like the way he breaks down film, like being able just to sit beside him, being able to see how he takes his notes, like how he breaks it down, putting things together, um, how he talks about the game and how he sees the game. You know, sometimes you might see this coverage and you might not see it all the way through, um, but he, he's got a good grasp on seeing the issues and finding like, okay, like where's the weakness in this coverage? Where can we give a little bit and help out another player? Like he's really good at, vocalizing it and talking through it um and when it comes to like in-game situation i feel like when it like an issue maybe like they bust a play like he's really good at recognizing seeing that play come back and playing with speed and stopping it before it gets started um so like having him in the room and just seeing his like maturity to the game seeing how he approaches him how he treats others and things like that even though he's a captain man he's still gonna talk to you he's still gonna treat you the same um, but really just seeing that humble guy, I mean, like, he's a great guy, man. He's a great leader for us. Well, DeMarco, we certainly appreciate your time today, and I know Caden and I are both excited to uh, watch you hopefully get on the field uh, this coming year, so we appreciate it and look forward to uh, keeping up with your career. Yeah, man, I appreciate y'all.
Okay, now much fun was that? Like I said at the beginning of the interview, I'm glad he was on that side of the screen because I would not want to be in the same room with DeMarco. He's a he is a bad man when it comes to the football field. It was really neat, though, to have him, as you said, pull back the curtain on that combine experience. I learned a lot about what goes into those weeks, and I think that our fans are really going to enjoy hearing a little bit more about all of the inner workings of the combine. DeMarco did a great job of, of pulling back the curtain. He definitely did, and I've definitely talked to a ton of people that have been a part of the combine, but never in as depth as we did with DeMarco. And as a guy who got banged up a ton in his career, I was definitely glad I was not a part of that medical process because they would have been dissecting me left and right. But I think it was just cool that he could share that experience and that even him achieving that level of success, it was cool that he was almost somewhat starstruck still being in Indianapolis, running that 40-yard dash and being on that stage. So just huge to see that he still had that in him in that moment and is still kind of carrying that in his NFL career. Hey, based on what DeMarco said, I'm sure that the other people that were there at the Combine were glad you weren't there because then they would have been in the hospital a little bit longer. You probably would have had to go through three, maybe four (laughs) MRIs, uh, different parts of your body. But, Caden, let's jump in. We're going to break down some players that are going to participate in the NFL Combine next week. We're going to talk about some guys uh, first that we have not talked about as draft prospects yet on the Frary and Smith podcast, and then Uh, We will also talk about some defensive standouts as well. And Caden, we're going to go ahead and start with a guy uh, that had a big year this year, uh, and that's Jason Brownlee for Southern Miss. He starts his career at the community college level uh, where he ended up becoming a a JUCO All-American. Then he arrives in Hattiesburg in 2020. And really, over the last three seasons, Caden, he's been their number one receiver. Three straight 600-yard seasons capped off with 891 yards this year and eight touchdowns, which netted him third team honors. Caden, Jason Brownlee did all of this without great quarterback play. What do you think his ceiling is potentially at the next level? Yeah, I think him, first of all, just getting this opportunity with that lack of quarterback play really just shows his talent and his ability. And I think when you look at his skill set, I think his ceiling, like I'm not going to say he's going to be some number one wide receiver that we're going to see on Sundays and become a household name. But I think what he does have and what he brings to the table that's a little bit different than I think a lot of the receivers in this class is just his skill set as a wide receiver. His best attributes are his route running, his ability, getting in and out of those breaks. His releases are fantastic, and he got to display a lot of that at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, where he had a great, great showing. He had the biggest reception of the game for both teams, 61-yard catch. He has great speed. He has great size, and the scouts love that. And I think at this combine, he has an opportunity to display that. He's six foot two guy. He's 200 pounds. He has long, rangy ability. I think a lot of his skills are kind of more suited for the game and practice environment when you see him being able to make those 50-50 contested catches. So I think the biggest thing for him is going to be able to show off that vertical jump, show off that 40-yard dash. He has good speed, but not blazing speed. So I think if you look at him as a prospect, this 40-yard dash is probably going to be the most important part of what he does at the combine but I think overall his best skill sets are more catered towards him playing in one-on-one coverage playing in a game in a system playing even without like you said the greatest quarterback and I think this combine is kind of going to be more of what kind of physical attributes do you bring to the table what kind of physical skill sets do you bring to the table so very excited for him and I think as far as his ceiling goes in the NFL he's going to be a guy who I think can line up in the slot every down and really be able to perform in an offensive system where he's able to get separation if he's on one-on-one coverage and third down, he's going to be able to get open against some guys. So very excited about him at the next level. Yeah, he might not be one of those outside wide receivers, uh, those down the field threats, but I like what you said there as the slot wide receiver. I think uh, that he could have a very serviceable career. He's shown the ability to haul in balls, and I think that uh, he could definitely display that at the next level. Okay, let's move on to a guy who might have a, a future on the outside, and that's Louisiana's Michael Jefferson. 
Uh, he's another guy who picked up third team honors this past season. He began his career at Alabama State, but wasn't used heavily. And then he ends up at Louisiana in 2021. He goes on to lead the team with 481 yards and four touchdowns that year. And then this past year, he really stepped it up 810 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, he finishes his career with just under 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. Caden, he's a guy that brings a big frame and, and potentially could be a real diamond in the rough, maybe in some of those later rounds of the NFL draft. Yeah, it's six foot four, two hundred two pounds. Michael Jefferson's going to be one of the biggest receivers at the combine. So very excited to see him put that on display at the combine. He got invited because of his physical traits and the breakout season he had this year. He had some pretty good numbers before, but had a breakout year this year in his senior season. And I think He's not expected to run a blazing 40 just because of his size, and I think no team is going to draft him to take the top off of the defense. He's a guy who's going to be able to make contested catches and be that kind of guy, but I think he's kind of a house money gambler when it comes to the 40-yard dash. No one's expecting him to run very fast, so he can kind of cut it loose and run as fast as he can, but in the East-West Shrine game, I thought this was very interesting to have the Zebra technology that they put on the guys to track their speed. He had the fastest time. He hit 21 miles per hour in that game, so very curious about his 40-yard dash coming up. But just for his size, he's a very smooth guy in and out of his routes, very balanced, great soft hands. I think he's going to be able to show that off in the combine. And I think the drills are going to be kind of his strength. If he can show it his size, that he can make those catches look smooth in his routes for his size, that's going to be huge for him. But I think just like Brownlee, some of the traits he has are better suited for a game. I mean, he has fantastic hands, which he'll be able to show off, but he's a good blocker down the field in the run game. He's a guy that has strength getting off of the man at the line of scrimmage, making separation in his route. So I don't think it's very important for him. He might not even do it, but I'm very curious to see what his bench press is going to be just because he's such a big dominating force. But he's a guy that at his size, the combine should be right in his wheelhouse. And I'm very excited to watch him perform. Yeah, this feels like a huge opportunity for him coming off of a big Sunbelt season to potentially play himself into a late round draft pick. Uh, Michael Jefferson certainly had a great year and we'll see if he can do that. Caden, here's another guy. Uh, that is really interesting uh, to talk about, and that's Old Dominion, Zach Kuntz. Uh, he starts his career at Penn State and really played sparingly there for the Nittany Lions. Uh, but then in 2021, he bursts on the scene at Old Dominion. Uh, he has some of the best physical traits uh, probably in the Sun Belt. He was a member of the Athletics Freak List this past year, but then you know it was really a disappointing season for him. He gets injured five games into the year, has to have surgery out for the year, but Caden, if his numbers in 2021 where he caught 73 passes, 692 yards and five touchdowns are any, you know, semblance of what he could do uh, at that next level, he might be, you know, one of the best tight ends uh, when he's on the field. Yeah, look, Zach Koontz is an absolute unit. I'm not afraid to admit that I did not know he was six foot eight until we started looking at him, but he's a six foot eight guy that's 251 pounds. You talked about him being on that freaks list. They said he ran a four, five, seven. He has a 40 inch vertical, 10 foot, eight inch broad jump. This guy's a freak. He has proven him being a Penn State guy, a guy who's a power five prospect. He has all of the tools. I think really, if you look at anybody in the Sun Belt in this group, he has the most physical tools, attributes, and athleticism for the next level, but you talked about it. I think the biggest question for him is going to be his health. We talked with DeMarco about that visit, that um, just vicious process as far as the medical examination. And they're going to take time to look at Zach and see if everything's working on him to see how his surgery held up and see how he goes. So I think really the biggest question for him is going to be, can he live up to those numbers he's put up before the physical attributes he has? Can he live up to what the scouts are expecting from him coming off of the injury? I think if he can just scratch the surface, I think even of what he's physical capable of, physically capable of 
at this combine is going to be a great year for him. And this tight end group, there's a lot of talent at the top. There's the guys you've heard of. There's the Michael Mayers. There's the Darnell Washington, who's a very interesting po- prospect. Utah's tight end's a great guy. But then after that, there's, I think, a lot of room for growth. So I think he can improve his stock. And there's a reason why some guys have him as a top 15 tight end coming in this class. And I think he can only rise if he can prove that he is healthy enough to be that guy. Yeah, health is definitely a big key. And Caden, I knew it was six foot eight because I actually got to eat lunch with him at Sunbelt Football Media Days uh, in July. Super nice guy, but massive. And when I heard that he was on the freaks list, I said, yep, that makes a lot of sense after spending some time with him. Caden, uh, we're not going to get into these uh, last couple of guys because we already spent time on our Senior Bowl episode uh, talking about some of these other prospects. So if you haven't listened to that episode, Head back to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and pull up the Senior Bowl episode with Jim Nagy. He did a great job of breaking down some of these other prospects. But Jalen Wayne uh, from South Alabama, the wide receiver, is going to participate. Cameron Peoples, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, will participate with the running backs. And then a couple of really interesting offensive linemen, Nick Saldaveri, who had a really good Senior Bowl experience. I know a lot of NFL scouts were very impressed uh, with his ability on the offensive line, as well as Jake Andrews, a couple of guys that if you listen to that Jim Nagy interview, uh, Jim felt like they are potentially starting NFL centers uh, in the future. So some interesting pieces there on offense. Definitely would recommend you listening uh, to that episode uh, when we previewed the Senior Bowl. Kane, we're going to move on to some defensive guys, and there's two guys that we're going to talk about here. And the first is Andre Jones from Louisiana. Uh, he really turned himself into a true game wrecker by the end of his career. It was a lengthy career, similar to yours, Caden, uh, six years in college. Uh, but really, he saved his best for the end of his career. 60 tackles, six sacks in 2021, and then did it again in 2022. 51 tackles, eight and a half TFLs, seven and a half sacks. Uh, and Caden, I know you'll appreciate this. He's a linebacker that also showed his ability in coverage a little bit. Had an interception, a pair of pass breakups this year. Uh, former two-star prospect, and now he's heading to the NFL Combine. Caden, what a great story. Definitely a great story. You love hearing about these guys who maybe had to go the JUCO route or maybe undercruited, maybe had to go community college, and now for them to trust the process and make it all the way to this stage is huge. But you talked about it. He's an older guy. This guy's my age. This is a 24-year-old prospect, and I think people are going to look at him as far as a prospect goes as a guy that might not have the highest ceiling but might have a great high floor and be ready to play for a team in his first season doesn't have the most overwhelming stats because he is an edge rusher but he's very overwhelming as far as his size he's a six foot five guy who's 250 pounds and I think that his most important thing going into the combine is just going to be the drill work he's going to have to show in the footwork drills at his size that he can move in and out of the bag stay low as far as his pad level goes he got a little bit high in his pad level if you watch on film sometimes just because it kind of comes natural with his size being six foot five but I think in the drill work he has great length he has great explosive hands anytime he's going to be able to put hands on those pads and those guys holding it I know he's going to make sure that they feel it and hopefully he's able to do some of those pass rushing drills as well and show off his bend and show his moves off I heard at the shrine bowl that he played and he was very effective in one-on-ones had a great week of practice hopefully he can keep building on that because like I talked about before with some of these different classes of players that are coming in this edge rushing group is a deep one you got the Will Andersons you got the BJ Olajaris you got a ton of guys in this class and I think if they start getting off the board like hot kicks to start off the round maybe you see a guy like Andre Jones being able to slip in there I think his draft is going to depend a lot on how some of the other edge rushers that are ranked ahead of him get drafted in the order they do but I think like I said before he has a high floor right now and I think if a team needs someone to be ready right now to go and rush off the edge for them he could be their guy 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're Andre Jones, uh, you just want an opportunity, and he's getting an opportunity here in front of a very big stage, uh, you know, to to show what he's made of against you know some of the best prospects in the country. So definitely, Andre Jones and I to keep an eye or a person to keep an eye on rather uh, at next week's NFL Combine. Caden, here's another really interesting piece. Uh, we've spent some time on this podcast talking about Darrell Luter for South Alabama, but there's another defensive back here that I really like, and that's Lance Boykin. Uh, he was one of the key pieces of that coastal secondary over the past couple of years. Began his career at Old Dominion, uh, had a huge 2021 season, and then again followed it up with a bigger one in 2022, where you know he had 58 tackles, two interceptions, 10 pass breakups. Uh, NFL scouts are always looking for guys with great size and physicality on the outside, and that's something Lance Boykin displays. What do you think Lance's ceiling is? I think he has a very high ceiling in this league. I'm not going to call it right now, but if I had to pick a potential MVP from the Sun Belt for the Combine, I'd have to go with Lance Boykin. He is the size of a prototypical quarter that corner that you want in the NFL right now. He's a six foot three guy, 200 pounds. He has that Jalen Ramsey, that Pat Sertan type of body type. And when you watch him play, he definitely carries himself with that same confidence. As always, for cornerbacks and defensive backs, that 40-yard dash is going to be the most important thing. He runs very well, has kind of showed some lacking in the recovery speed department. And I think if he does run a great 40 time, his stock is only going to go up and up and up. But I think he's a combine corner. He, as far as his deficiencies go in the game, they're more so about his hand placement. He gets a little bit grabby sometimes in coverage. He's kind of an on and off guy as far as turning on his physicality in the run game. But as far as ball skills, staying low in your pedal, being fluid in and out of your breaks. That's his bread and butter. And that's what the bread and butter of the combine is going to be. So I think I have very high hopes as far as how he's going to perform in this showing. He had a very strong showing at the East West Shrine game. He had an interception in one practice, had some pass breakups. So I do think if I had to have the highest hopes for someone going into this combine, it's going to be a guy like Lance Boykin, who just looks the most NFL ready out of the group and has kind of already proven that he has a lot of those skills that could transfer to the next level. Yeah, I think those are some great points there. Lance is even a guy, too, that I think last year people thought, you know, could be a pretty high-level draft pick and, you know, had a good season this year, but definitely there was some deficiencies in his game that now he needs to go to the Combine and show that uh, those are things that he can fix as well as his pro day at some point I think will be important for Lance. Well, there's a couple other Sunbelt guys, Nick Hampton, Caden. I think he's, you know, we've spent some time talking about him. He's He's a really interesting guy and a guy that Jim Nagy at the senior bill felt like could potentially sneak into the second round, maybe third round grade. I think you would expect to see him off the board in the fourth round. So definitely someone to keep an eye on. Uh, Gerard Clark uh, at Coastal Carolina has been an excellent piece on the interior. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how his skill set translates to the next level. And then Darrell Luter, a guy who, you know, has freaky talent, has been really good. And, uh, you know, a lot of scouts like that, uh, you know, just a year ago, he was one of the best cornerbacks in the nation. So those are some other guys to keep an eye on at the NFL draft combine. Uh, Caden, some closing thoughts, just uh, your excitement level for the upcoming NFL draft combine. Might be biased towards the Sun Bowl, but this is the most excited I've been for a combine. I'm just excited to watch these guys get after. I know they're going to have some butterflies in their stomach heading into it, but I think they all deserve to be on here, to be at the combine. They deserve to be on this stage, and I just can't wait to watch them all put it on display. I think there's a lot of guys that have a lot to prove. I think some guys coming into this will have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and will be amongst their peers that were always higher recruited than them or always that guy that was looked above them. And I think them being able to kind of compete and have fun in that group and cut loose will just be a great thing to watch. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I said it earlier in this episode, these guys, all you want is an opportunity uh, to showcase your talents. And when given those chances, I mean, I know we spoke a couple episodes ago with Jalen Virgil. Uh, and just once you're given those opportunities to take full advantage of them, these guys, these 12 members of the Sun Belt, will certainly be given a big opportunity next week. Well, that'll do it for us here on the Ferry and Smith Podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to New Orleans Saints linebacker DeMarco Jackson for helping make this episode possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Ferry and Smith Podcast this coming Tuesday. Uh, Caden, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be looking at which Sun Belt coaches are under the most pressure uh, to perform heading into the 2023 season. You're certainly not going to want to miss that episode. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Ferry and Smith Podcast. As always, if you like today's show, take a moment, like, rate, and subscribe to the show. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, your continued support helps the show out. Uh, we're going to continue to be here all offseason, keeping you up to date on the latest happenings around the Sun Belt. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Frary. We really appreciate you being with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.